After two years of challenges, obstacles, and delays stemming from the pandemic, 2022 was a year when project teams around the world rose to the moment to really go for it. Teams displayed innovation and creativity across industries and geographies, delivering solutions to some of the world's pressing issues, and in some cases, making the way we live, work, and play better, easier, or more interesting. Take the ABBA Voyage Project. Pop superstars ABBA unveiled a custom arena designed to house a stunning show that bridges the physical and digital worlds. And it's not just wowing audiences. The team members who worked on the project are in awe, too. It was amazing. We'd seen snippets of parts over the last three years, but to finally see it in context and in order, it was unbelievable. The world is changing fast. And every day, project professionals are turning ideas into reality, delivering value to their organizations and society as a whole. On Projectified, we'll help you stay on top of the trends and see what's ahead for the project economy and your career. This is Projectified. I'm Steve Hendershot. PMI's 2022 edition of Most Influential Projects, or MIP, has arrived and it's epic. You want feats of engineering? How about the Mega Mobility Project to create one of the largest high-speed rail systems in the world, connecting 60 cities across Egypt? There's also an electric motorbike designed, developed, and built in Kenya, coming in at a cost of just 1500 US dollars. You want ecological innovation? How about the project in India to reintroduce cheetahs into its forests and grasslands? The 2022 most influential projects include more than 200 remarkable efforts showcasing creative problem-solving and sheer gumption. I encourage you to head to mip.pmi.org to binge on global project innovation. There's an overall top 50 and also top 10 lists spanning a range of regions and sectors. We're going to speak to a couple of the leaders behind these projects on the show today, beginning with Alicia Tukats, a partner and architect at entertainment architecture studio Stewfish in London. Her team worked with ABBA to create the ABBA Arena, a purpose-built venue for the ABBA Voyage show, number five on this year's most influential projects. ABBA Voyage brings the Swedish supergroup back to the stage as digital avatars, dancing and singing alongside a live band. Alicia spoke with Projectified's Hannah LaBelle about how collaboration between producers, animators, architects, and the band itself resulted in a uniquely immersive concert experience. The ABBA Arena plays a big part in putting on the ABBA Voyage show. Tell me about the venue and how Stewfish got involved in the project. It's a 3,000 capacity arena. And from the very beginning, we knew that it was going to be a mixture of standing and seated audience. And roughly it's about 60% seated and 40% standing. We always knew it was going to be a little bit of a hybrid between a theater, arena concert, a cinema. It's kind of an undefined genre of entertainment, which we were creating from scratch. We were approached in... April 2019 by Svenna Giesler, one of the executive producers. And they were looking at creating a team to both develop the show, but also the venue that they knew they wanted to build because it was such a bespoke project. It needed its own venue, really. So we 
went over to Stockholm in June 2019, along with ILM and the producers. And we met with Benny and Bjorn and, and really just started the conversation about what is this? We knew we had to find a plot of land quite quickly. And we settled on the Pudding Mill Lane site, which is inside the Olympic Park in East London. So the arena was designed in tandem with the show to meet the requirements of the technology that was going to be involved. You led the design of the building, and you also served as a stage designer for ABBA Voyage. What exactly does that entail in terms of your role when it comes to not only the arena build, but also the concert itself? As entertainment architects, we're show designers and we're architects. We really see our role as being one role in terms of designing this bespoke venue, but designing it alongside the show means that they both work in tandem with each other and we can ensure that everything that the creative team needs from a show perspective is reflected in the architecture and vice versa. But what was really important for this project in particular is that the physical world is reflected in the digital world. So they had to be concurrently speaking to each other and the relationship between where the physical world ends and the digital world starts was critical in making this show work. You worked with people across the project, the producers, the director, ABBA, animators, engineers, and construction teams. What was the collaboration process like, and what were some good practices you established when it came to making sure that everybody stayed aligned? It was a very collaborative team of people. We had Sven and Ludwig, the producers, Bailey Walsh, the director. Industrial Light and Magic obviously brought that kind of cinematic experience and film experience. And then there was a team of traditional live show designers. The kind of worlds colliding, I suppose, could have been a real baptism of fire, but it actually it just worked. It took a lot of diligence within the teams, making sure there's a clear line of responsibility who's making the decision, the steps it needs to go through ultimately to get approval. It was very, very clear. So everybody knew the process from the start, which really helped. One of the main design aspects of the venue is that it's fully demountable, so it can be taken apart and moved to a new location. Why was this a requirement for the project and what challenges or opportunities did it add? They knew that they wanted to ultimately tour this around the world. Obviously, it's not like a stadium or an arena tour that we would typically work on, which is a few days in each place, so it'd be a lot longer. It makes the project a lot more complicated in that you have to think about every single connection, every single detail, because it has to be taken down and then put up again. We really were looking to that kind of temporary structure. Everything has to be taken down, so all the connections and everything need to be able to be removed but then it also needs to be physically moved in trucks or containers so all of the sizing of all the parts is crucial as well all of that had to be taken into account from the start which makes it pretty complicated but then it's going to give the project a longer life cycle what other challenges did the team have to overcome in the arena's design and build all of the olympic park area in london is on contaminated land you can only go down like two foot before you hit the layer of contamination. We didn't want to penetrate the ground too much because then you have to deal with getting rid of the contaminated waste. So the biggest challenge was designing the structure so that it sits as much as possible on the tarmac 
and we only actually penetrate the ground in 18 places where we have kind of large pad foundations. Other than that, the whole structure sits on the tarmac. So that, from an engineering point of view, was a massive challenge, but also helps with the demountability, of course, because then we can take it down much easier. That took a while to get right. And even when we had designed the foundations, when we started on site and started drilling down, we found there was a lot of old iron Victorian pipes and things in the ground, which we kept hitting. Those ground conditions forced us to change the structure and to make it work with the site, but also keep that demountability in mind. What impact do you think Amba Voyage and the arena will have on the future of entertainment? How do you think the show could change arena designs and concert experiences moving forward? From a show perspective, particularly in these last few years with COVID, we had a massive shift. We couldn't go out with our shows, so suddenly everyone was stuck at home and everyone was relying on digital content. I think moving forwards, people want to be physically together and I think we've seen there's a desire to get back and see live music and live entertainment but I think that layer of digital influence is something that's going to be pushed more and more in the coming years. From an architectural point of view I think the idea of a touring venue is something as a studio we've always been interested in developing and looking at but it's very hard to commercially make sense. The ABBA Voyage project has shown that it can happen and you can design a light touch building that doesn't need big masses of concrete. We can use steel and timber really effectively to create structures that can move around. And I think that will make sense more economically in the future rather than building a theatre that's going to last for 200 years in one place. The idea that it can go to people is really exciting. Dubai isn't known for its farmland, yet it's now home to the world's largest vertical farm, a hydroponic facility that opened in July 2022 and will supply more than 2 million pounds of leafy greens to Emirates Flight Catering, serving airlines that fly out of Dubai International Airport. The project, ranked number 22 on the MIP list, was a collaboration between Emirates Flight Catering and Crop One, a sustainable agriculture company based in Millis, Massachusetts in the U.S., I spoke with a fellow Steve H., Steve Hebda, Vice President of Farm Development at Crop One, about the project. Let's start with technology and impact. How are you growing vegetables at scale in the desert? And what's the broader potential for this sort of solution? We're a controlled environment vertical farm. It means that we literally are controlling everything that the plant comes in contact with. So the air, the light, the water, that yields us a very clean, high-yielding product that has great flavor and great taste. What gets me excited about coming into the office is really how we're evolving and making sure that we put our plants first, technology to the forefront, but that we're also having an impact on changing farming as a whole and helping the world community really grow and be able to sustain life as we move on. Vertical farming brings quite a bit of sustainability as far as water use and land use goes. And those are things that are obviously key. 
In addition to the challenges inherent in building the world's largest vertical farm, you also had to do it with team members located across the globe. How did you handle the obstacles that invariably go along with a first-of-its-kind project and also from coordinating across great distances? Project managers really focus on communication and communicating that story well, right? I like to call it an interpreter role in some way. So we have to really be able to put on our hat and speak with our plant science team and talk to them about what's important for the needs of the plant. But then we need to turn around and go speak to an engineer or an architect or a contractor or even a tradesperson and be able to communicate that need and why that's important to them. So that was probably the most critical piece that we needed to do. And how did we overcome that through a lot of training and a lot of conversations? It would have been so great to be able to hop onto a plane, but unfortunately, it was the height of COVID. So we really had to react to that and obviously taking advantage of all the different calls or whichever meeting group that we could get into because somebody's computer might have had a problem with being able to do that. But we overcame that fairly quickly. And then it was just a lot of the traditional construction project type timeline delays that you have to overcome. How do you relook at the schedule to make up time because a certain item might be a few weeks late? How did you go about not just communicating, but also building the relational trust, fluidity, all the stuff that an effective team has, given both the distance between team members and COVID? How did you turn this into a cohesive team? So a cohesive team was really built by starting out with small group teams that we would move together. And again, there was the challenge that many folks had never met each other. They were literally all over the world. We had engineers in London, and then we had ourselves in Millis, Massachusetts. And then we had the folks in Dubai. Some folks were calling in from India. It really was a worldwide project. So just trying to develop some of that trust over the phone in those Zoom calls, taking a little bit of time just to talk to people about who they were and what was going on with them, just to understand who and what you were working with. Building that trust once that was there, that made it easier. And then really great project management is really understanding that scope of work. How long is it going to take and are you on budget? Managing that and making that a central priority. And then just making sure that at the end of every meeting, if there were tasks and meeting minutes that needed to go out, that people understood what they were responsible for so that they could bring it back to the next meeting or at the next deliverable point. The farm opened in July. Have you tried any of the food grown on site? I have tasted the sample. I've sampled items there. And our chief plant scientist was telling us he had a conference in Dubai and the salad that he got while he was on the plane was our salad. So it was pretty exciting to actually see him taking a picture at 30,000 feet on a project that we've all invested quite a bit of time in. It's great seeing the product in the retail stores. We've had engineers that worked on the project or contractor folks or even some of our own employees that are on the farm snap a shot of the product actually in the retail stores. What will you pull out of this project and experience that will inform Crop One's future efforts? The takeaway for us is going to be the scalability of it. Really excited to take the lessons learned on scaling and how to make sure that we have an adequate facility done and really taking that and applying that to the future farms. One of the big pieces that we're looking at is taking advantage of more technology and actually automating more of the process. So again, part of keeping these plants first and keeping them safe and clean is reducing the amount of touch points. When the folks in Dubai go into a room the plants are growing in, 
we make sure that they suit up and that they have gloves on and they have their face mask on and they have their hair nets and their lab coats on. We're trying to reduce that by using automation so that we'll have a lot less folks that will actually go into the rooms and there'll be less need to interact with the plants that way. The legacy with this is really how vertical farming is changing the way farming has to happen. We're just so proud to be involved in this project and really being the first full-scale farm to be able to help make that change. Because of the challenges that are going to face the world as far as population growth and the weather extremes, we know that this institution is going to continue to grow. And I'm really super proud to be a part of that. Project teams built amazing things over the last year, and to see them presented in PMI's most influential projects package is to be inspired. So head there, mip.pmi.org, and get a creative jolt. Who knows? Maybe next year your project will make the list. Thanks for listening to Projectified. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. We'd love your feedback. To hear more episodes of Projectified, visit Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or head to pmi.org slash podcast.